Hey, good morning. I'm Playbook co-author Rachel Bade. It's Friday, December 22nd. We have a bit of an inside joke on the Playbook team that our deputy editor, Zach Stanton, thinks the entire universe revolves around Macomb County, Michigan. That's where he's from. A book you read, he'll probably tell you the author is from that area. Some scandal, it started in those Detroit suburbs. Such and such a significant election, oh, he'll tell you Macomb County probably tipped the scale. Zach's not wrong. The county has been at the center of the political universe for nearly half a century. It is, as Zach writes in a piece up today, the closest thing there is to a de facto capital of white middle America. Every presidential campaign for the last 40 years has been in large part a battle to appeal to these voters. Today, Zach looks at why. How did this area become such a major force? And joining me now to discuss his breezy 17,000-word Politico magazine piece answering such questions is the man himself. Good morning, Zach. <laughs> Good morning, Rachel. Thanks so much. So tell us about your story, Zach. Sure. So uh, I am from Macomb County, as you mentioned. And the year that I was born, 1985, is actually the same year that it kind of really entered the political map. Democrats had really dominated Macomb County for a long time. In, in 1960, it was the most heavily Democratic suburban county in the United States. By 1984, it had swung totally in the opposite direction, and many of these disaffected Democrats voted overwhelmingly for Ronald Reagan. And the Democratic Party and their allies were curious why this was happening. So in 1985, they invited in a pollster named Stanley Greenberg. And Mr. Greenberg looked at basically what was leading these socially conservative Democrats to stop voting for the Democratic Party, particularly at the top of the ticket. And what he found was basically what came to be known as the Reagan Democrat. And the Reagan Democrat is a voter who is socially conservative, economically liberal, uh, generally blue collar. And the battle for these voters has really defined our politics for the last you know, 40 years or so. Stanley Greenberg became Bill Clinton's pollster. You can draw a straight line from Macomb County to Clintonism, to the third way centrism. You know, the battle for the swinging suburbanites really defined the 2000s. In 2016, Trump sort of gained enough of these Reagan Democrat style voters back in order to pierce and puncture the blue wall in the Midwest. And in 2020, Biden did well enough among them to kind of rebuild the blue wall to some extent. So, Macomb County has always been this sort of pivotal place in American politics. And I was curious as to why that was. What came before that really informed that place? And this all started because uh, I was browsing old census records, as one does. and Only uh, you, Zach. Such a nerd. <laughs> I always tell Zach he's such a nerd. <laughs> And and I, I appreciate it. Yes, it's it's said with love. Uh, totally. Uh, <laughs> and admiration, and, uh, I'll add. <laughs> and in, in 1970, the city of Warren, which is the biggest city in Macomb County and where the Reagan Democrat focus groups took place, in 1970, it had about 180,000 residents, but only 132 black residents. And that was sort of a just an eye-popping figure. And then when you dug in a little bit further, you found that those 132 black residents lived in 28 households. Of those 28, 23 of them were federal or military housing, which left only five black civilian families in all of Warren, which is a number so small that I thought, you know, I could actually track down who these people were. 
And it was through that that I came across the story I had never heard about. No one I spoke to in Macomb County had ever heard about. But that explained so much about American politics. And what happened was that in 1967, a mixed race couple, a, a, a black man by the name of Credo Bailey and his, his wife, who was white, named Ruby Bailey, moved into Warren and were met basically with two weeks of protests to near riots by white residents who didn't want this mixed race couple moving into their neighborhood. And the civic leaders of Warren were slow to respond. Uh, they generally sided with the white residents. But there was one man who, who really was moved by the story of the Bailey family and what they endured. And there was a man named George Romney. And George Romney was the Republican governor of Michigan. He was a civil rights supporter. And crucially, in 1969, he became Secretary of Housing and Urban Development for President Richard Nixon. And what he quietly went about trying to do was to instill a national program that would have drastically remade America's suburbs by forcing them to desegregate. And the way he would do this was by withholding any federal HUD money from these cities unless they passed open housing ordinances to integrate and to allow desegregation to take place. And he wanted to start with Warren, the city, as a sort of test case, as a trial run. And the backlash was so ferocious that it ended up derailing the entire national effort. And as a result, President Richard Nixon got involved shelved the program, sort of sidelined Mr. Romney. And you saw this moment where the Republican Party really had a, a moment for choosing of, of what kind of party they wanted to be. You know, traditionally, the GOP had been the party of civil rights in many respects. And it was this moment where they decided, you know, look, do we want to be the party of civil rights in this more sort of Romney style approach? Or do we want to embrace you know, something that came to be known as the Southern strategy, which is to appeal to a lot of traditional Democratic voters who were white, who had racial animus, and who would be motivated by fears that were racial in nature, but also tied into economic and, and, and status issues? Do we want to appeal to them? And the Nixon administration opted to choose this so-called Southern strategy. And it was really a, a play for the suburbs all across the nation. And American history and American politics really changed forever as a result of that. It truly is some masterful research, reporting and writing by you, Zach, and everyone should definitely pick it up and read. And for the rest of your news today, which is actually centered on Michigan, something that I'm sure Zach will be happy to hear, the Detroit News popped a doozy of a scoop last night that is going to be a huge talker in the political world for a while. Former President Donald Trump, they report, personally pressured two Republican members of the Wayne County Board of Canvassers not to sign the certification of the 2020 presidential election. The reporters actually got their hands on a recording of the call, which until now has not been reported. One interesting nugget to keep track of, RNC Chairwoman Ronna McDaniel was actually on the call and appeared to be urging two officials not to sign the document as well. And for the rest of your schedule today, the Senate and the House are out. This afternoon, President Biden and First Lady Jill Biden will visit the Children's National Hospital in D.C., where they'll meet with patients. The music in today's show was composed by the mysterious Breakmaster Cylinder. 
Callan Tansil Suddit is our podcast producer. Annie Reese, Mike DeBonis, and Zach Stanton are our editors. And a quick programming note, Playbook Daily Briefing will be off all next week. For the holidays, we'll be back on Tuesday, January 2nd. I'm Rachel Bade. Thanks for listening.